This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. church early so we can check the baby in before service i'm just waiting on you well i'm ready okay two two minutes honey is that two real minutes or two football minutes that sounds great what bill's pretty good about going to church considering his family never did but sometimes like football season go 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 go, go on on. church isn't that high on the priority list and scott picks right up on that Mommy, can you and Daddy come watch me in the youth group skit this morning? Sure, honey. I wouldn't miss it. Scott used to be excited about his faith like Christy. There are so many forces at work for kids his age. Bill and I try to teach Scott to be a good person, think for himself, and be strong in his faith. Bill's a good dad, but we don't always see eye to eye on parenting, and that often leaves me to be the heavy. And look at Scott now. He just follows his father's example. Bill, we're leaving. Okay, um, I'll, I'll meet you there, honey. Scott, let's go. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with Dad. Yes! Yeah! Touchdown! Yeah! <sighs> Come on, Christy. We'll practice your lines in the car. Okay. All right, buddy. You ready to go, Scott? Just, uh, just two more minutes. Uh, good morning. Welcome. You know, I'm loving that skit, but I don't know if I'm buying it. They're walk, watching the Packers and they're celebrating a touchdown. I don't think so. Oh, I love the big screen TV. Yeah. <laughs> well, good morning. My name is Bob and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at New Life and it is great to have you with us this morning. Thanks so much for being here. Um, I get, uh, I get the opportunity today, which I'm excited to do in talking with you because Pastor Ron is still on his missions trip down to India and we're talking about parenting today. And as some of you may know, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and issues around the family, particularly those that have to do with parenting are one of my passions. And so, uh, I'm excited and thankful that I get to share with you this morning. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the old line that I used to have no children and three surefire ways on how to bring them up, but now I have three children and no surefire methods on how to bring them up. Well, that's partly true. I have three children and uh, two girls and a boy, Um, but I have discovered a phenomenal, phenomenal method for working with kids, particularly around behavioral modification. And, And I want to be sharing that with you. It works really well with my son, Bobby. He's nine years old. And I found it extremely effective. You know those times when your kid is just kind of like totally out of control? I mean, you know, they're just unconsolable and they're just off the walls and they're going. Well, I found this to be a, a very effective method. I, I want to share it, share it with you. Now, what, I, what you need to do, first of all, is as a parent, you need to maintain control yourself, right? You can't get caught up into it. So you main, maintain control as a parent. You take a couple deep breaths and then... You take your child and you ask them to accompany you on a drive. 
right? It's kind of like a timeout, but it's one-on-one with you as, as a parent, and there's fresh air, and there's no arguing, arguing, and there's wonderful scenery. And so I found it works wonders. So m- maybe to make it a little clearer, I brought a picture along for you. Take a look. <laughs> and uh, so there it is. You've got everything I know, so you can all go home now. No, don't really. Don't ever, ever do that. You might get a speeding ticket. Now, believe me, I know. <laughs> I don't care how many kids you have. That's just funny. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. Actually, speaking of that, let me ask you. How, how many of you have children? Put your hands up. All right, a good vast majority of you. How many of you, maybe you have some nieces and nephews as, as well or in addition to? Okay, how about maybe there's just some kids or youth that you interact with sometimes once in a while in your life? Can we get that up there? Okay, I think we got pretty much everybody covered. Well, if you've raised your hand during that time, even though we're talking about parenting, this message is for you this morning. Um, if you didn't raise your hand, I guess you could go. <laughs> I'll even give you full credit for being in church today, all right? All kidding aside, uh, for the moment anyway, um, I truly believe that what we're going to be discussing this morning is extremely important. That if you're able to to grasp and implement the ideas and the concepts that we're going to be talking about, your life, not just your kid's life, but your life will be impacted tremendously. You'll find it more enriched. You'll find it more satisfying. You'll find it... I put all kidding aside, so I can't make a joke about the cell phone. So I'm just going to jump right over it and pretend like we didn't hear it. So these things we're going to be talking about, you'll find that it's, it's more fulfilling for your life and finding more purpose and joy in, in, in your life. And the reason is that it's because you have an opportunity to build a legacy. You have an imp- opportunity to impact a life and to build a legacy. You'll be making a difference. Literally, that if you're able to implement and embrace the things that we're going to be talking about today, you'll be changing the world. And I know that sounds kind of grandiose, but the truth is I wholeheartedly believe that. Have you ever heard of Edward Kimball? Anybody recognize that name, Edward Kimball? Probably not. Let me tell you a little bit about his story. In the 1800s, he was a Sunday school teacher, and he was concerned about one of his students. And so he went to where his student worked. He worked in a shoe store. And so he found his student there and he was putting some boxes up on the shelf and he said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And so the, the, the young man said yes. And so they sat down and, and Edward Kimball began to just share with him about the love of God. And he began to just tell him that he was concerned about him and shared with him the, the message and hope and the purpose that this boy could find in Christ. And the boy right there decided to commit his life to Christ. And that boy's name was Dwight L. Moody. Well, Dwight L. Moody went on to be one of the the greatest evangelists of all time. And Moody went all around the world traveling. And one time he was traveling in the British Isles. And he was preaching at this little church. And it was pastored by a man whose name was Frederick Meyer. Well, Meyer was so so taken by Moody and his style and his presentation of the gospel that he decided to go into full-time evangelism as well, traveling around the world, sharing the gospel and and the message of Christ. Well, eventually that brought... Frederick Myers, to Chicago. And he went to Chicago and he was sharing a message there one time and there was this man whose name was um, Wilbur Chambin. 
I'm sorry, Wilbur Chapman, who was there in the audience. And he heard Meyer say, are you willing to give up your life for Christ? And he said, if you're not there yet, if you're not willing just to surrender your life to Christ, are you willing to be made willing? Well, Wilbur Chapman sat there and he thought about that. And he decided that he was going to use his life to share the message of the gospel of Christ. So he began touring around telling people about Jesus. And there was this man who was a volunteer whose name was Billy Sunday. And he worked with him and he began to model after this man and he began to shape his life around him. And eventually, when William Chapman passed away, Billy Sunday took over his ministry. Billy Sunday went around into some of the largest auditoriums and arenas in the United States and shared the gospels around the world. And became one of the premier evangelists of the 20th century. Well, inspired by one of his his talks, Billy Sunday's talks, this group of Christians in North Carolina decided to have a, a similar evangelism meeting, so they brought in a guy named Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham, who was familiar with Billy Sunday and, and delivered a very similar message to Billy Sunday. Night after night, there was this young 16-year-old boy who was listening to it. Finally, on the last night, this 16-year-old boy went forward and committed his life to Christ. His name was Billy Graham. Probably nobody has shared the gospel with more people than Billy Graham. But do you remember where this all started? Right? It started with one man. A man none of us know. Man, probably most of us have never heard of. But he impacted one life. And it made a huge difference. The impact that we have on one child's life can have an impact that reverberates throughout eternity. The impact that you can have on just one child's life can reverberate throughout eternity. You see, the most precious gift that you and I have is the ability to influence a life. And we will. We will influence a life. The question is not whether or not we will influence a life. The question is, how will we influence that life? In what direction will we influence that life? Really, the question becomes, how intentional are we going to be about influencing a life? Particularly, the life of our children. I believe that if if you have children or if you're planning on having children, that regardless of your own career regardless of your own ministry or your vocation, regardless of your accomplishments or successes in life, God's primary calling or God's primary purpose for your life is that of godly parenting. That's our first key understanding. One of God's primary purposes for your life is that of godly parenting. If you have children over what vocation you choose, how successful you are, what ministry you get involved in, there's no greater purpose for your life than that of godly parenting. See, as parents, we're called not only to nurture and raise our children to be independent, functioning adults. That's typically the the guideline that we use for parenting, right? To raise up our kids to become independent, functioning adults. But the, the, the purpose of your life as a parent goes beyond that. 
and that you have the opportunity and the responsibility to impart a spiritual legacy into your children. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. And some of you may hate me for this. How many of you want better children? They're not lucky. You can raise your hand. Go ahead. Mom, put your hand down. No. No, really. How many of you want better children? Come on. If we want better children, then we need to be better people. If we want better children, we need to be better people. Notice I didn't say better parents. I said that we need to be better people. If you think about that for a moment and before you get too mad at me, let's watch this together. I got to tell you, my wife and I are a, uh, a praying couple. We believe in prayer. We believe in a creator. We believe in a creator that answers prayer. So when we had children, we prayed for patience, tolerance, love, and understanding. God answered those prayers with not one but two ADHD children. So watch what you pray for. The big guy's got a sense of humor. The kindergarten actually called to tell us our oldest boy was hyperactive. Like we didn't know. Is any parent shocked when that phone call rolls in? Your boy's hyper. No. He's so calm at home. First day we dropped him off at kindergarten, it was all we could do to keep from laughing. Some perky woman came over. We'll have so much fun, and we're sure you will. <laughs> Principal calls me at home one day. He says, your boy won't sit in a chair. He's disrupting the class. We don't know what to do. I said, oh, open the back door and let him loose. That's what we do at home. <laughs> now, I don't know if any of the rest of you like that, but I think that is so funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That cracks me up. <laughs> let, let me tell you where I'm coming from this morning. I think most parents are doing okay. I think most parents are doing okay. That our kids will survive. I think that. See, there's no perfect families. Certainly not mine. Okay, maybe Pastor Ron's. But other... No, 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 no. Just kidding. There's no perfect families. There's no perfect parents. But our kids will survive. Our kids will make it to adulthood. But is that good enough? Is that our goal? To have them survive? Are we okay with our kids just being good enough and making it to adulthood? See, children are in our homes for less than 25% of their lives. It should there be our goal, it should there be our responsibility to get them prepared for the world in which they're going to spend the remaining 75% of their life. See, by the time they're 18, we must have them ready to face and make life's most crucial choices. It's not enough just to keep them out of trouble. We don't want them just to survive. We want them to thrive. We need to help them. We need to help them learn how to learn, how to think, how to analyze, how to make decisions, know how to conduct themselves in whatever situations they find themselves. They know how to, how to conduct themselves in the difficult 
situations that they're going to face and they're going to encounter in life. And the key to this is being intentional. It's about being strategic and within reason about being comprehensive in their training. Now, it's probably not best to draw analogies between children and pets. But let me ask you this. How many of you have dogs? Okay. Have you ever seen one of those TV shows where you have this dog trainer and he goes down to this pound and he gets this mutt and he brings it home and in a little bit of time he trains it and before you know it, this dog is just perfectly well-trained and doing all kinds of amazing things? you ever seen that? How many of you would like your dog to be amazingly trained and doing all kinds of amazing stuff, huh? Yeah. How many of us have dogs like that? No, most of us not. So we want it. It's possible, but we don't have it. Why is that? Well, it's because dog training takes commitment. It takes intentionality. It takes consistency. It takes focus. It takes reward. It takes time. It takes lots of time. And so we just kind of muddle through and... We live with the dogs that we have. You know what? In some way, that same thing holds true with our children. You know, we may spend thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours on very important things. Things like our vacations and our business plans and our home improvements, on our vocations, our youth sports. But when it comes to training our kids... When it comes to imparting spiritual values into our children, we too often let circumstances and chance affect how we are going to manage our family, especially our responsibility as parents in training our children. What I'd like to do this morning is look at, look at five areas. Five areas that we have a responsibility and an opportunity in to develop or train our children. Five areas that we have the responsibility and opportunity to develop and train train our children in. And I want to challenge all of us to be intentional in developing all of these areas that we're going to look at. All of them are are crucial. All of them are critical in the development of our child. But I'm going to emphasize, I'm going to spend more time on one particular area. The area that, that I believe, that I feel is the most important. The area that I believe will have more of an influence and shape all of the other areas. And that's the area of your child's spirituality. Or their spiritual development. So what are those five areas of influence that we have as parents? that we have some sway with with our children? Well, let's look at them. The first one is this, the mental development. We need to ensure that our children are growing mentally. We need to be working to make sure that they become teachable and that they have a desire to learn and a passion to learn. We need to help them think logically. We need to help them think critically to help them overcome their and have control of their thought life to embrace purity. We need to make sure that they're growing mentally, not just academically, but in their unique and personal areas of passions and of interests. Boy, also, how important it is to read to our kids and to instill into our kids a passion for reading and learning. 
The next area is the area of the physical development. To ensure that our children grow and develop physically. Will this happen if we do nothing? Yeah, within reason, yes. But remember, like in all of these areas that we're talking about, we're not just talking about surviving, we're talking about thriving. We're talking about being intentional in our parenting. So this physical development, it includes healthy eating. It includes exercise and teaching them how to manage stress, hygiene, helping them understand the physical and the developmental changes that their bodies are going through, the ability to to care for oneself, to understand sports and sportsmanship, work habits, the importance of sleep, understanding sexual identity. Helping them understand and grasp physical purity. The next area is the relational arena. Teaching them how to identify and have healthy relationships. Helping them to understand what healthy relationships look like and how to have them. Communication skills. Relating to the opposite sex. Relating to the same sex. Setting healthy boundaries, living humbly, serving others, demonstrating kindness and respect and love towards others. Having relational purity. Well, paralleling this area is the whole emotional life. How to understand and identify and feel emotions and feelings without being controlled by those emotions and those feelings. Self-image. Emotional stability, anger management, connectedness, a sense of worth, a sense of humor, perseverance, integrity. And finally, we must develop and train our children spiritually. Spiritual, their spiritual development. This encompasses a love for God and a relationship with God. It's helping them to have an, understand their identity in Christ. It's developing faith in their life and honesty and service. It's helping them to create a biblical worldview, to understand brokenness and forgiveness, to help them understand and identify their place in the body of Christ or within the church, and still within them a love for God's word and a respect for God's word, teaching them how to live pure. See, each and every one of these areas are huge in themselves. They're multifaceted and unending. So how do we ever get our hands and our minds around these ideas and begin to to work them into into our parenting, even if we want to be intentional in developing these things? How do we go about understanding and getting all this so we can train up our children? How can we ever accomplish all this? Well, obviously, in a... 30-minute talk, there's no way I can address all the issues and the, and the nuances of all these different areas. But I do, want to, I do want to focus in. I do want to focus on two primary principles that I believe are fundamental. They're fundamental in the training up of our children. 
You know, actually, I, I think they're even more than fundamental. I think in the raising and training of our children, these are the cornerstones. That if we're going to be successful, that these need to be embraced and implemented into our lives and into our training with our children. The first is this, and I've alluded to it already. While all five of these areas are extremely important, the area that I believe will have the biggest bang for the buck in the area of your child's spirituality is his and his or her relationship with God is this. The first priority role of a parent is to help our children develop their own active faith and relationship with God. This will or certainly should have a direct and positive impact in all the other areas of their development. But there's a problem. And that's this. The average parent does not take a proactive role in building up the spiritual lives of their children. It's very clear from Scripture that this is our primary role of a parent. It's not just to tell our children about God. It's not just about taking them to church. It's helping them develop their own faith and their own intimacy with God. You know, I'm truly thankful for the wonderful influence that youth pastors and Sunday schools have and imparting and and motivating the spiritual life of our children. Yet I think too often as, as parents, we expect the church to install the values in our children. And so we defer the responsibility to them. You know, and I understand that part of the difficulty in being proactive and implementing this with our children is that a lot of us didn't have a model for it when we were growing up. And so we're not sure how to go about it and how to to implement it. But we have to remember that just because our children are growing up in a Christian home, it doesn't mean that they're automatically getting the spiritual training that they need. As parents, we need to be very intentional about bringing up our children so that they'll have a healthy understanding of God and that they'll have their own relationship with God. They will not just learn it by accident. We need to make spiritual, the spiritual development of our children a top priority in our lives. If we want it to be real with our kids, if we want it to be lasting with our kids, then we've got to value it and work towards it. You see, successful parenting is more than just modifying our children's behavior. It's so much, so much deeper than that. It's more than raising compliant, well-mannered kids who are nice. As Christian parents, we're not just supposed to socialize our kids so that they're obedient, human, civil, civil human beings. We're to train them to become fully alive followers of Christ. We're to train them so that they can present Christ well, so that they can have an impact within the world and within the sphere they walk in. Literally, we're to train our children so they can advance the kingdom of God, so that they can be world changers. 
None of us end up here on earth by accident. You know, God places each one of us here for a purpose. And that purpose helps us to fit into God's kingdom. But often we as parents have no plan for helping our kids to discover what that purpose is for their life. We have no plan for helping them understand why God created them as he created them, for what purpose. Parents, we are the keys in helping our kids discover their purpose. It means helping our kids discover a worldview based on God's world as well as teaching our kids about their uniqueness, about teaching our kids about their value as a child of God. You know what it also means? It means reevaluating the distinct the definition of success. It means reevaluating and transforming the definition of success from one that takes a popular cultural view, right? Getting a good job, being good citizens, making money, acquiring possessions, etc., and transforming, firm, sorry, transforming that into a biblical view where the values of commitment and faithfulness and servanthood and purity and humility and sacrifice are what shape our children. See, moving kids into a dynamic relationship with, with God, it's, it's definitely a process. It doesn't open, happen overnight. And as parents, we need to intentionally begin thinking through what success looks like. What does it mean when my child becomes 18? What will he or she look like that will measure success? What is the end point of our parenting years? See, no one can hit a target if it's unidentified. It's not too late to start. Begin. Begin thinking through what you want your children to look like when they mature into adulthood. And then make a simple list of what you want to see happen in your child's life and then start small. Take small steps and take them, begin taking them right away. Right? Remember, doing something intentional is always better than doing nothing at all. The important thing is to begin the process. Along this line, I want to I share with you and, and give you what I hope is a helpful perspective. And it starts with key understanding number two. We need to move beyond discipline and punishment to discipleship. To raise healthy, well-adjusted children, we need to move beyond just discipline and punishment to discipleship. Do you realize that as a parent, your primary role is to disciple your children? In the same way Jesus discipled the men he gathered, we are called, we are given the responsibility, the privilege to disciple our children. I've put up here a working definition for us for, for discipleship. An intimate, personal relationship that is designed for growth and learning through observation, dialogue, and imitation. Sounds kind of like parenting, doesn't it? An intimate, personal relationship that is designed for growth and learning through observation, dialogue, and imitation. 
See, if we're going to understand our role as parents, we must see our primary goal is not just teaching, it's not just instructing, it's not just discipline, it's modeling. I said earlier that there were two cornerstones. This is the second one. Our primary role as parents is modeling. Modeling. Children are the disciples of their parents, for better or for worse. As parents, we teach by our words and our examples in every interaction we have with our children. I'd like to read to you a poem. I called it a bit cheesy in the first service and I got in trouble, so I won't say that this time. But it makes a good point. It says, when you thought I wasn't looking. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat and I learned that it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me and I learned that the little things can be the special things in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer and I knew that there is a God I could always talk to and I learned to trust in Him. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick and I learned that we all have to help take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you give of your time and money to help people who had nothing and I learned that those who have something should give to those who don't. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of the house and everything in it, and I learned that we have to take care of what we are given. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw how you handled your responsibilities, even when you didn't feel good, and I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grew up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared, and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned most of life's lessons that I need to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you and wanted to say, thank you for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. As we become better people, as we become more committed followers of Christ, we produce better children. You see, with this perspective that I'm sharing with you about parenting, it's not all about the growth and the behavior of the child. All the focus isn't on them. Discipleship considers the moral and spiritual development of everybody in the family, beginning with the parents. You know, if, you, if your child, particularly a teenager, sees that his or her parents are growing and working on some of the same issues that they're being called up to, he or she will be more open to embracing those issues and changing those behaviors and working on those attitudes and less likely to rebel. Do you hear that? 
as our kids look at us and if they see that we're growing and we're struggling and we're trying to implement into our lives the very things that we're challenging them to put into their life, they are more likely to embrace those things and begin to implement them in their own life and less likely to rebel against us or against those things. Why? Because growth is something that we do as a family. Growth isn't just about changing the kids' behavior. It's not just about bringing the kids into alignment. It's about all of us changing and growing. Does that make sense? It's our job to provide role models. Not perfect ones, but not but real ones. Not perfect, but real. A couple months ago, my son, uh, his picture was in the August Courier. And so I went to one of those newsstands to, to get a copy of the paper, and I put in my 50 cents, and I opened it up, and I was grabbing it. And I thought, oh, cool, Grandma would love one of these too. And so I grabbed two. And so I get in the car, and I'm, I'm driving home. And my daughter says, my daughter, my 13-year-old says, Dad, did you pay for both of those? Well, being a good father and pastor, not wanting to disrupt the innocence of my child's life, I said, yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. You know, to be honest, I, I really wasn't thinking about it at that point, but she said, well, I was watching through the window, and it sure looked like You only put in 50 cents. Are you sure you paid for both of them? So confronted by the truth, I dug in a little deeper and I said, yeah, I took care of it. And then I spent the rest of the drive home trying to rationalize in my mind why it was okay to just put in 50 cents and take out two papers. Because I'm pretty sure the sign just says 50 cents. It doesn't say just take one, right? It just says 50 cents. So anyways, we get home and the craziness of the evening kind of continues on and I conveniently forgot about the whole thing. I forgot about it until the next morning when I got up and I was reading my Bible and I was praying. And wham, came right back. It's hard to rationalize when you're praying. You ever notice that? So about a half an hour later, my daughter got up and I said, hey, Jason, I need to talk with you. I said, as I, was, uh, as I was praying this morning and uh, reading my Bible, I got convicted. And uh, I did yesterday. I only paid for one of those papers, and I took two. And I said, and that was wrong. And I said, I also was not honest with you when you asked me about it. And you know what? In a lot of ways, that was even worse. She looked at me. She forgave me. And then I had to go put 50 cents in one of those stands and not take a paper. (laughs) Of course, the next person came along and got a free one, so the August Courier still lost out, but that's not the point. (laughs) Friends, we need to be real with our kids. We need to be real. We need to be real about our spirituality. We need to be real about our own spiritual journey. We can't just tell our kids, put God first. They need to see us putting God first. 
There's a scripture that's often used in parenting. And it comes from Deuteronomy 6. And it says this. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to the commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when, and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It says talk to our kids about the things of God and the importance of his statutes and all this stuff. But before it starts, before it says this, before it instructs us as parents to talk to our kids about these things, it says this in verses 4 and 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the instruction to us as parents before we try to impose those things onto our children. See, when this becomes the goal of our life, when this becomes the focus of our life as individuals, as parents, when that's our motivation, when that's our desire, our focus, it becomes a natural thing to work God and His principles into our conversations with our kids. You know, many times parents communicate very well with their children in a variety of topics. But when the conversation turns to spiritual things, right, their mouths kind of freeze up, get a little awkward. Their countenance kind of change and they start using this kind of tone of voice and verbiage that their children only ever hear when they're talking about God. You guys ever experienced that or is that just me? Let me encourage you. When you talk with your kids about spiritual things, when you talk to your kids about God, when you talk about Jesus, be real. Be yourself. Talking about God will happen most naturally when your children see your own growing relationship with God. Share with your child what you're learning, what you experienced what you read in the Bible, what you learned at church. Share with them your victories. Share with them your disappointments, your questions. Here's our next key understanding. Our earliest concept of God doesn't come from a book or church, but it comes from our parents. Our earliest concept of God comes from our parents. The Bible is the most important book in the world, we say to our kids. But if they never see us reading it, if they never hear us reading it, what kind of credibility do we have? How can they relate to what we're telling them? The spirituality of our kids is dependent on the examples that they see us setting at home. Do you hear that? The, the, the spiritual development of our kids is dependent upon the example they see us as their parents setting at home. 
We set the pace. If you desire your children to have a vibrant, exciting, spiritual life, then they need to see an authentic faith lived out in your life. How you follow Christ in the midst of the difficulties of life, despite your struggles, despite your failures, is the best teacher of who God is and how powerful and how amazing His grace is. Is God for real? Then show Him. If God is for real, show your children by the way that you live, by the way that you treat people, by the way that you treat your spouse. Go on a missions trip as a family. Get involved serving at COTS. Join a life group. Make church a priority. Give generously. Serve regularly. If you want your children to see that God is real, you and I need to live like God is real. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, and although this is not a promise, it's not a guarantee, it's a principle, though, that should instill us with hope. Brings us to our final key point. It says, do the best that you can Pray, pray some more, pray some more. See, God loves our children more than we do. Jesus died for your child. God has a vested interest in your child. Here's my hope. This is my goal as a parent. I hope that when my children are grown, they'll say, you know what? My dad loved God. He didn't always get it right, but I can assure you of this. He loved God with his whole heart. Wow, what a legacy that would be, huh? We're going to end this a little different than we typically do. And we're going to end it by taking communion together. You know, maybe you've never thought about a spiritual legacy for your children, or maybe you've never made a commitment of your life to God, and these principles are alien or or new to you. I want to invite you this morning, though, if you've never invited Christ to come and to, to lead your life, that this would be the morning to do so. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The day is the day that you can put your hope and your confidence and trust in God, no matter who you are, no matter what you've been. Just turning to God and acknowledging your need for Him and inviting Him into your life so that you can begin to set that legacy for your children. Or maybe you've already made that commitment. 
Maybe you are a Christ follower, but you just want to get back on track. You want to rededicate your life and your focus of your life to loving God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and strength. Because see, as we walk that out, our children, our nieces and our nephews, the kids we see and we interact with will be impacted. And you can do that this morning by joining us in communion. Communion is a time about remembering who God is. And God was the ultimate one who loved us so much that he sent his son. He demonstrated, he modeled for us what it means to be a good parent. That he loved us, that he went before us, and that he sacrificed for us. The bread represents his body, the cup, it represents his life because it holds the juice, his blood. As a sign of your faith and trust or, or commitment to Christ this morning, just join with us in communion. If you're at a place this morning and you'd prefer not to make that decision at this point or you just decided not to take communion for whatever reason, that's fine. When the tray comes to you, just feel very comfortable passing it on to the person next to you. But if you're going to join us once you've held the bread and once you've held the cup and you've prayed and you've connected with God and you've acknowledged your desire for Him and you've said a prayer for your children, eat the cup. Or sorry, eat the bread. (laughs) And drink the cup when you're ready. We have a very, very short time to impact our children. Let's make the best of it. Will you pray with me, please? Father, how wonderful that we can call you Father and that you have called us your children and that you have loved us and extended grace towards us and that you have begun to bring us on a road of growth and fulfillment and abundance. And Lord, we want to do the same with our children. God, such a short time we have them with us. Will you give us the strength today to follow after you and to bring them along with us? In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.